All right. Hello, everybody, and welcome. I'm here today to share a few words about the collaborative approach our government is taking to address one of the most urgent social issues we are facing right now in our province. Before I do so, I would like to acknowledge that we are gathered here today on the traditional territory of the signatories to Treaty 6, as well as the Métis people of Alberta who have a deep connection with this land. I've often said that for some of the greatest challenges we face in our province, not one level of government can address them alone. Part of my role as Minister of Municipal Affairs is to help collaborate on important discussions. Many conversations with Edmonton representatives have been had around addiction, mental health, homelessness, and community safety. As I often hear about the importance of breaking down barriers and silos, I am here today with several of my cabinet colleagues to announce pieces of a framework we have put together to support communities across Alberta as local leaders and service providers come together to reach Albertans who desperately need our help and support. We will hear today from Minister Milliken for Mental Health and Addiction, Minister Ellis for Public Safety and Emergency Services, Minister Nixon for Seniors, Community and Social Services. I'll leave it to each of my colleagues to share the details of initiatives they are bringing forward from their ministries and the reporters will have opportunity to ask questions of either us or our community partners who are here with us today. Our government takes the addiction crisis and its related concerns very seriously. We have heard loud and clear from municipalities across Alberta about the need for a collaborative approach, and we are committing to that, starting right here in Edmonton. With that said, I will ask Minister Milliken to come forward and to share his remarks. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Minister Schultz, and thank you everyone for coming today. Addiction, homelessness, and public safety issues are impacting every community in Alberta. This is especially true here in Edmonton, where the consequences of untreated addiction are all around us. Whether it be open-air drug use that is happening downtown or the safety issues that are happening in transit stations, we cannot stand idly by and allow this to continue in our communities. Addiction is one of the most urgent social issues facing the province. It is also, without question, one of the most complex issues. Untreated addiction leads to homelessness, long-term physical and mental health concerns, and for many, it tragically ends in overdose. Over the past three and a half years, Alberta's government has taken significant steps to provide more addiction treatment options to Albertans. We have expanded addiction capacity, uh, treatment capacity, made evidence-based opioid addiction treatment available free and on demand for everyone, and worked with police to ensure they are part of the solution. We're already seeing some positive outcomes with decreasing opioid-related deaths, decreasing hospitalization, uh, decreasing hospital visits, and decreasing EMS rates since their peaks during the pandemic. Now is the time to accelerate our efforts to build a system of addiction and mental health care that is focused on prevention, intervention, treatment, and recovery. Today, we are establishing the Edmonton Public Safety and Community Response Task Force to improve public safety and tackle social issues. The task force will implement initiatives focused on treating addiction and mental health, getting people out of homelessness, and improving public safety in Edmonton. 
We are bringing together key cabinet ministers, emergency responders, city officials, indigenous leaders, and health system experts to respond quickly and effectively to these complex issues. The task force will begin work immediately on implementing the $187 million funding that was announced in October to address addiction, mental health, and homelessness issues in Alberta's urban centres. Specifically, in Edmonton, $63 million of this funding will dramatically increase access to addiction services and supports over the next two years and 19 million will uh, has been allocated to combat homelessness the work this funding covers includes operationalizing 100 beds of treatment in gun and further increasing capacity with a new recovery community in edmonton transforming correctional living units into treatment centers creating hybrid health and police hubs in Edmonton's downtown, expanding medical detox services, deploying harm reduction and recovery outreach teams, expanding access to emergency emergency shelter space, piloting a service hub model to increase access to recovery and improving access to affordable housing options that support recovery. These initiatives are the start. We are going to move quickly and we will not stop until... These initiatives are operationalized in Edmonton. This is the fair and compassionate approach to social issues that is required to treat addiction as a health care issue and keep our communities safe. So thank you very much for the opportunity to be here today. And at this time, I will pass it off to Minister Ellis, who will be chairing the Edmonton Task Force. Well, good morning. Uh, I'm very proud to be a part of the Edmonton uh, Public Safety and Community Intervention Task Force announcement here today. As a former police officer and now the minister responsible for public safety in our province, I recognize how much uh, addiction and the many issues surrounding it impact uh, life in our cities. Uh, This is especially apparent in our homeless uh, populations, a vulnerable group that faces a unique and daunting set of challenges. That's why Alberta is bringing together provincial, municipal, indigenous, emergency services, and Alberta health services representatives and police services. The members of this group are going to include Tim uh, Cartmel, City of Edmonton Councillor, Sarah Hamilton, City of Edmonton Councillor, Chief Billy Morin of the Enoch Cree Nation, uh, Chief uh, Isaac uh, Labukan uh, Avramon of the uh, Woodland Cree First Nation, uh, Dale McPhee, Chief of Police here in Edmonton. Uh, Carrie Bales, uh, Senior uh, Program uh, Officer of Provincial Addiction and Mental Health, Alberta Health Services. And uh, my friend Susan McGee, the CEO of Homeward Trust. Uh, we have also invited uh, Andrew Corbold, City Manager of City of Edmonton, and Joe Zatilny, the Fire Chief of Edmonton Fire uh, Rescue Services, uh, pending the approval from the city. Uh, This expert group will take a recovery-oriented system of care approach to addressing addiction issues right here in Edmonton. The ROSC model uh, looks at all the factors in a person's life that impact their recovery and brings the necessary supports together. It is based on the belief that everyone has the right to be supported and face as few barriers as possible in the pursuit of recovery. By bringing all the vital players to the table who can really make a difference here in Alberta, or probably here in uh, Alberta, but also here in Edmonton, I think that we can achieve that exactly. Edmontonians, particularly in downtown communities, have had it tough. Uh, We can't uh, let tragedies uh, like the ones that took place in Chinatown or the transit attacks that uh, happened. These incidents show that uh, we cannot work in independent silos. 
The victims of these crimes are hardworking Albertans who happen to be at the wrong place at the wrong time. Edmontonians uh, and all Albertans deserve better, and they deserve safe and peaceful lives. And those struggling with addiction deserve a helping hand. So I look forward to the task force uh, taking on this this work and making a real and long-lasting difference right here in Edmonton. Thank you. I'll now pass it on to Minister Nix. Thank you, Minister Ellis and uh, Minister Schultz, as well as Minister Milliken, uh, for your words. Uh, I'm not sure what else to add uh, to what they've already said uh, in regards to the the task force. So um, I'm going to talk a little bit about the the homeless shelter experience. And uh, my background is not-for-profit. I spent most of my career in shelters. And I ran for office initially to, to make sure I could bring a voice from the front line. And so that's what I hope to do here today. Uh, as somebody who worked in shelters, I worked alongside many folks who struggled with addiction. And uh, I can tell you there was nothing more devastating than when somebody made the decision of recovery and reached out to ask for help and they didn't receive it. I remember uh, a good friend of mine, Andrew, who had made that decision. And we were able to get him to the detox center, but there was no room for him at the detox center. I remember many others who were looking for treatment and there was no room for him in treatment and we need to make sure that we're working to address that so when people are asking for help, there is help available. On the mental health side of things, um, I remember so many cases where folks uh, with mental illness became a risk to themselves and weren't able to um, get connected with supports and uh, lived in the shelter. Eventually became a risk uh, to themselves and to others, and we had to contact the police. They ended up in the hospital. And it was very devastating when they ended up being discharged right back into shelter. We need to make sure that we end that, that when people are dealing with mental illness in our streets, that we're giving them the help and the supports so they can move beyond the street and live a normal life. I remember working at the youth shelter. Uh, We often had kids in our program that were intaked and discharged several times. I remember one kid up to eight times from our justice system, intaked and discharged. We need to do better for these, these folks who get involved in the justice system, make sure that we can help with appropriate transition and we can help them to be able to escape the streets. I remember some nights where folks became a risk to the other guests in the shelter and uh, we had to call the police. And often our, 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 our servicemen and women uh, did a great job in, in helping support, but they were limited in resources in regards to where they could bring folks at, at that situation. And so some nights, quite literally, after this person had become a risk to the other people in the shelter and the staff, they were literally just driven down four or five blocks and ended up walking right back to the shelter and be, became the same problem. We need to do better for these folks. I used to... Uh, work at the Mustard Seed, as many of you know, and the the vision of the Mustard Seed was mobilization of community. This wasn't about us serving the poor, but it was about helping Calgarians serve the poor, helping Albertans to help their neighbours in need, and uh, to be able to bring the broader community together, to be able to have real discussions about how we're going to address these issues and move forward to help make sure that we serve our neighbours in need. I believe that's the vision behind this task force. Um, Actually, one other thing I wanted to bring up too uh, was... We know that a large percentage of the folks that are experiencing homelessness on our streets and addiction uh, are Indigenous. And that's why it's so important that we also have Indigenous representation on this, on this committee. Um, I know when I worked at the at Boys and Girls Clubs with Avenue 15, uh, how impactful 
it was for the youth that we served to be able to have culturally appropriate programming, to be able to connect youth with Indigenous supports and, and back to their community. And that's why it's so uh, important that uh, Chief Billy is here. Uh, so I believe, again, that's the vision of this community is to be able to bring important players uh, into in our community together so that we can meaningfully move forward and make sure that we're helping end people's experience of homeless, homelessness, help people connect to resources and move forward with their lives. Thank you. Perfect. <clears throat> Thank you, ministers. Um, we have some time for question and answers. The task force is meeting at 12 and there will be opportunity for B-roll from media. So we'll go into the Windsor room immediately following this. Um, we're going to go to questions on the floor first, then we do have a few callers on the line. There is a stationary mic, just because we um, do not have ceiling mics, just use that stationary mic so it's picked up by the feeds. Uh, one question, one answer, uh, follow-up, please. Uh, Arthur Green, Western Standard. Um, I know this panel looks nice to study the situation, but uh, I've been contacted by thousands of residents from Edmonton who fear for their safety on the LRT. I want to know, what are you going to do right now to fix the problem? Not study it, fix it right now, before someone dies. So I want to know what you're going to do. Sure. So this is not about studying uh, the issue. This is about actually taking action. And I know uh, one of the ministers here, I think it was Minister uh, Milliken, outlined the steps that we're going to be taking as far as immediate action. Um, but, you know, I will say this, and I'm going to ask Chief McPhee here to speak, so I don't want to speak on his behalf, but this is why it's a, a collaborative approach, right? I mean, we have to be all rowing the same direction. That's the expectation that the public has of us. I mean, we, we can't have, uh, you know, uh, multiple different ministries, multiple different agencies doing wonderful things, but maybe not all rowing in the same direction. So this is a coordinated approach. We will be taking action. I'm going to ask Mr. Uh, uh, sorry, Chief McPhee to say a couple of words. Yeah, thanks, Minister. And I think your question is bang on. And I, I think uh, this task force, certainly as somebody that's been on the Mental Health and Addictions Task Force, the Human Trafficking Task Force, and the Minimum Standards and Homeless, this needs leadership, and leadership needs political will. <laughs> the fact that we have uh, open-air drug use everywhere, in front of the mall, uh, that's not acceptable. But what's also not acceptable is somebody with an addiction isn't going to go straight to the justice system because that's not the answer for some of these folks. But there's also a disproportionate number of the criminal element that are influencing and preying on these people. So what you see here now is leadership, real leadership to say this is enough. To me, that's encouraging because not only does it take the enforcement arm in relation to it, but it also needs the resources of where to take people. And you need to give people options and you need to have some accountability to those options. And that accountability doesn't have to be the justice system. So that's what we're hoping will happen quickly. And I think at the end of the day, we also have to work towards zero tolerance for open-air drug use, but not by using the justice system as the hammer, but using as a multidiscipline approach. I've been around a long time. This is the first time that I've seen the right ministers take the right approach, in my opinion, to actually drive change. So I think we can actually hit the ground running. We've certainly started some of these things in this city on the LRT with work with the city. I think this just gives more strength. And I think the whole thing in relation to Chinatown, 118th and the downtown all needs a similar approach. So we need voice, we need faces on the, our, our boots on the ground. We need visibility and we need that public will to say, you know, we got to try something different because 
Every time I turn around, there's another approach that's not an evidence-based approach. And unfortunately, there's a lot of good people working in this space. What I see here is bringing coordination to something new that we don't have and using all those resources, as you see many of them here right now, to say, we're going to tackle this differently. So I'm quite excited. That's a great question. Thanks. Um, just as a follow-up for you, um, is meth and heroin use uh, socially accepted, become socially accepted in this city? Well, meth is driving the violence in our city, and I don't think you have to walk more than a block to see somebody using meth in an open-air space. And what we also know that normal people do not normal things, and it's disproportionately driving our violence. It's our car chases. It's everything associated. And at the root of meth, the solution isn't housing. The root is, is solution is addiction, which obviously housing plays a part later on. What you see here now is a system, and that's what we've been lacking, and we've been calling for ever since we did the money in the system report probably two years ago. And it just it's it's encouraging to see our government take action because I think you only have to walk a block or two here to realize it needs something different. I had a lady do heroin on my front step the other night. So, you know, yeah. you don't have to walk a block. You just that, have to that's right. Outside. Yeah, you just have to open your eyes. And that can't be okay. Hi there. I just have a question on behalf of, like, Boots on the Ground, Mom Stop the Harm. Uh, I've heard you guys talk about prevention aspect to this. Have you guys spoken to those uh, people who work firsthand downtown uh, or in other areas um, about this, and I, when I talk to them, their main concern is um, uh, harm reduction. Can you guys tell me if the prevention has anything to do with safe consumption at all? Uh, yeah, thank you uh, very much for the question. Um, you're talking about uh, whether or not we're uh, having these discussions with people who are on the front lines, uh, and yes, absolutely. I've even toured the the George Spady. Um, harm reduction is an important, or services that, that serve to, to reduce harm, definitely have an important part in what we're doing. We are, uh, as you probably know, creating a holistic approach with regards to how we are dealing with the addiction crisis. This is a recovery-oriented uh, system of care, of which harm reduction services obviously do play a role, but they aren't... Um, they aren't a, a silver bullet. Like I, like I noted, it's a holistic, I would call it a comprehensive approach that we're taking. So it plays a role, but uh, we're really focused on uh, the, the whole continuum of care, whether that's building out uh, further capacity. We've increased from a, a mandate of 4,000 funded new treatment spaces to 8,000, taking us from, I believe, around 19,000 to, to 27,000. We've also uh, reduced barriers to ensure that people who are looking for uh, access to treatment uh, can get that treatment that they need and want. One of those barriers would be the fact that we uh, got rid of user fees. Uh, historically, um, if you were looking to even sometimes uh, take part in treatment uh treatment capacity that was done public through public funding, you'd actually have to spend $40 a day. And so that was something that some people just could not uh, deal with. So we have made sure that we got rid of that for all, uh, all Albertans. And then one of the other aspects that I think we're pretty proud of is the virtual opioid dependency program, which essentially what we have managed to do is we have made treatment on demand and free for all, all Albertans. So if somebody needs or wants uh, evidence-based opioid agonist therapy, that is available like I said, uh, same day and for free. So thank you very much for the question. Just before your follow-up, if you have one, I'd just like to remind reporters to identify themselves and which outlet they're from, uh, just so we have a record of that. Sorry, just to, to supplement real quick too. And, uh, and a part of why um, I wanted to make sure, and, and Susan McGee with Homeward Trust, 
is here is we want to make sure that we do have a voice from our not-for-profits that partner with us with addressing this, these concerns. And uh, Susan, as you know, represents Homeward Trust, but also Edmonton's community-based uh, organization. So we want to make sure there is a strong voice from our frontline service providers. So no, no, no harm reduction. What I, I, yeah, so what I would just also, I, I, I feel like I should have mentioned also previously, is with regards to uh, SCS, things of that kind of nature, uh, harm reduction, we've actually increased the budgets as well. So we truly do believe that it is part of the holistic continuum of care, and we will continue to make sure that people who need and want treatment have that available to them so that they can experience recovery and become productive members in society. So, so we're going to go to the phones next. We've got a few callers, and then we'll come back to the floor uh, for reporters who haven't asked a question or a follow-up. Uh, so, moderator, could you please put forward the first caller? David Staples, Edmonton Journal. Thank you for taking my call. Uh, the Premier in uh, BC has talked about um, a measure that he thinks is necessary to help um, the users on the streets of Vancouver and also the people who live in those neighbourhoods and, and are dealing with the crime. They, they, he's talking about involuntary treatment, where people who are who are addicted... Um, uh, causing crime, causing violence, harm to themselves, danger to themselves, danger to others, uh, which you people have referenced, um, are kind of they're unwilling to leave the street, unwilling to get treatment. They're they're figuring out a way to bring that through, kind of an administrative justice process, not a criminal justice process, for that person to go into treatment, get off the street. Is this part of of your plan? If so, why? And if if not, why not? Um, thank you very much uh, for the question, uh, David. If you have had the opportunity, actually, to read my mandate letter, you'll notice that part of it refers to uh, recommendations uh, dealing with exactly, potentially, what you're talking about. Um, obviously, we have to take steps. When you have somebody who uh, is overdosing four times a day is a danger to themselves, is a danger to the community. I think that's where uh, you get to potentially looking at some of the things uh, that the Premier of, uh, of BC has mentioned. What I would say, though, is just at this point, I think it would be a little premature for me to comment on that. I've actually been tasked by our Premier uh, to look at providing some recommendations with regards to this. But in order to do so, I'm going to have to work with other ministries, uh, such as the ministers that you'll see uh, here behind me as well. So a little premature for me to talk on that, but definitely um, once we have those recommendations uh, created, we will, um, we will uh, take them towards looking at what we would do uh, generally with regards to our government policy and then move on from there. Thank you very much. David, do you have a follow-up? Yes, this is for Chief McPhee. Um, Chief McPhee, you mentioned uh, in a previous conversation that um, in, we, we all know that uh, Indigenous people are overrepresented in the justice system uh, as a percentage of population. And uh, one of the hopes of uh, having taken a more administrative justice approach, including involuntary uh, treatment, is that you can lessen the number of, uh, of Indigenous people, get them into this administrative justice system, get them into treatment, and keep them out of the jails, keep them from going so far that they, that they are, are uh, committing crimes and going on a different path before that happens. Do you think that this... Um, I just wanted to ask you to expand on that. What are your thoughts on that? Could this, could this actually help with that particular issue? Yeah, I, I mean, first of all, uh, you know, start with the previous conversation. Indigenous folks are overrepresented in the system, not because they're Indigenous, but they're overexposed to trauma. So one of the things in relation to that that's worked across the world and something, obviously, uh, you know, I'll be 
trying to put forward as we talk about this is, is some of the success that Portugal had in relation to a dissuasion committee. And that dissuasion piece, uh, along the lines of what you're just talking about, actually gives people the options. And if you can choose treatment at a time when you're in the recovery process over choosing the justice system, I think the majority of people are going to, in large part, choose that uh, health system. The, the reality is, though, right now, as you mentioned, we need to get that mechanism in place to allow them to do that. There's absolutely room for that. Uh, we're doing some of this now. As I said in my earlier comments, I don't think the answer is always the justice system, and that's why we've repurposed $38 million and 200 people from our organization trying to design it, taking people out of the justice system. But not to be confused, there's also a group that's also in this uh, that actually need to use the justice system and can rehabilitate once incarcerated. And I think the whole thing, to your point, is having the right knowledge and the expertise and the training to sort that at intake at first point of contact. So um, I think there's room for both, yes. Great. Uh, we're going to take one more caller from the phones, and then we have a couple journalists left, but then we have to get to the meetings. So, uh, moderator, could you move forward the next caller? Rick Bell, Calgary Sun. Uh, good day. I'm kind of muscling in from uh, a few hundred kilometers away, but uh, we have some of the same uh, issues, obviously, as exist in Edmonton. This is a question for Minister Ellis, if he'd like to step up. Um Every time I hear the word task force, my eyes glaze over because there have been lots of task forces, there have been lots of studies, there have been lots of panels. So I go back to a variation on the first question that was asked. Um, you've talked a lot about, you know, the various issues you have to address, but I'd like you to focus just on the people who live in the areas where there is serious including me here in Calgary, serious social disorder, serious crime where people are afraid to use public transit, where people are afraid to go out at night, where people like myself, when I go to the convenience store, I do not even take my wallet out because I am afraid of perhaps being followed out and getting rolled. This has happened over the last few years in neighborhoods which, on the surface, you would never believe would be like this. Um, my local coffee shop even has a drink called the Stab Town Special, and you can understand how it got that name. So tell me when all of this stuff is filtered out and get right down to the basics, what do you, we expect to actually physically see, not the process you're going through, what are we going to actually physically see because of what you are announcing today? Well, Rick, thank you very much. But th this is why the police are at the table here. They're not to be cast aside and pushed away. You know, whether some folks like it or not, um, and I can tell you from firsthand experience, that the police will be at the pointy end of the stick. And they're the ones that um, need to help people, right? It's not, about, it's not about incarcerating people and putting them in jail. It's about engaging with that individual. And that's why, that's why uh, the Premier put in my mandate letter that mental health and addiction be at the forefront, at the center of this, is so that they engage with that individual and get that person into the right resources. 
And that's why we have built such amazing capacity in this province over the last few years since the beginning of this mandate, the 8,000 spaces, the virtual opioid dependency program, just to name a few, the six world-class therapeutic communities that are being built uh, right here in this province, including uh, one that uh, is uh, just uh, outside of the city of Edmonton in the gun area, but also part of that $187 million announcement is to build a therapeutic community here. But make no mistake, the police have to be at the center of this. And to the chief's point, uh, open open air drug use cannot be cannot be tolerated. It just cannot be tolerated. We have a role to play in this, but it's not about throwing people in jail. That does not do anybody any good, especially those who are afflicted with the illness of addiction. Right? We have to make sure that we get those people the proper resources to help deal with them. That's why that you know that's why we're going to be building these uh, hybrid uh, health and police hubs. That's vitally important, not just here in Edmonton, but also in Calgary as well. It's so that, it's so that we understand that the illness of addiction is actually a healthcare issue. Now, I appreciate the, uh, the, the comments you made around the, the social disorder, uh, point that you're, you're talking about. And look, uh, other citizens have rights as well. You're right. You, you do have a right to go down the street. You do have a right to ride transit. Absolutely you do. And that's why this is not about a study. This is about taking actual concrete action to solve a very complex problem. To one minister's point, Mr. Milliken's point, there is no silver bullet solution to this very complex problem. It is a multifaceted, very complex issue. But you know what? We're rowing the same direction. We have all these great people at the table right here, and we're going to solve this problem. Thanks, Rick. Just noting that we are a little short on time, but if you... Oh, yeah, Minister Schultz. And I just want to follow up and echo what Minister Ellis said. This isn't about another task force review committee. This is really about having the right people in the right place at the right time to be nimble and address the issues that we're seeing in a way that meets the demands of each unique community. And so to talk about that, I, I just want to explain kind of where this came from. We were working with um, the Edmonton City Council, uh, the mayor of Edmonton, around some of the issues that have been top of mind around homelessness. Um, you know, those calls come to me in my role as municipal affairs minister, and I got my colleagues in one room to say, how do do we step up and meet the demands of the city of Edmonton? Because not one of us can do it alone. Um, but then also realizing that it's not just about homelessness. We can add additional shelter spaces, but then we have to have the right people at the table to make sure law enforcement is involved, our community partners are involved, and that all of the, the action that we take is not only urgent and timely, uh, but also moving in the right direction towards that recovery-oriented system of care and getting people the long-term and short-term supports that they need. Great. Thank you, I, I just a quick supplementary, if I could, to Minister, just to Minister Ellis. How do you anticipate, you know, I, I have a picture in my mind. I'm looking out my window right now. I have a picture in my mind of what goes on in the inner city of Calgary, and I know for a fact I was up in Edmonton, uh, Edmonton as well. Um, how do you see it so that those sorts of things won't happen? In other words, or it won't happen as frequently. You talked about open-air drug use and crime and people being threatened and all of the cars being stolen and all of the rest that I'm sure the Edmonton Police Chief knows all about. Um, how do you make that, the, all those sorts of incidents, all that sort of atmosphere go down? Like concretely, how, how do you think you do it? And I put it to you because you were, of course, a former 
uh, Calgary City Police officer. So how how does that happen so that what we see on transit, what we see on the streets actually will lessen as a result of this? Well, Rick, it's, it's as simple as understanding that what these people uh, are afflicted with is an illness. And that illness, whether it be um, your addiction to crystal meth, and there are differences, and we don't need to get them in here, there are differences between people who have addictions to crystal meth and people who have addictions to um, uh, you know, heroin or certain types of opioids. Again, one's a stimulant and one is more of a depressant. But the, the, the we'll call it the more violent or uh, crimes that you might see or that you might have uh, experienced, Rick, I mean, that, that's coming typically from people that are using crystal meth. And so it, you know, uh, the, the law enforcement community has absolutely a role to play in that in making sure that, um, you know, if, if crimes are being committed, that yes, that those people do need to be arrested. Uh, you know, unfortunately, having an addiction doesn't absolve you from uh, your criminal responsibility that you may or may not have commit- committed. But we also have a, uh, a duty to, I would say, to make sure that uh, when you have that addiction, that you know we're there for you as a government to get you the help that you need, and that's why we're putting an enormous amount of investment in these therapeutic communities. But we're also putting uh, uh, money into therapeutic living uh, uh, spaces within the correctional facilities themselves. I think that's important to note, so that when somebody uh, may or may not have served their sentence, for instance, that they're not just being released into the same cycle of abuse, that they're actually getting the help that they need so that they can have a journey and a path to a better life free of their addiction. Thank you. Perfect. We're going to go back to the floor. I see we have about three three journalists in line. So a uh, reminder, just please identify your name and outlet. One question, one follow-up. Hi, uh, Francois Jolie with uh, Radio Canada. So, um, uh, Minister Ellis, Chief McPhee, talking about uh, no tolerance for open drug use. At the same time, the city of Edmonton passed a motion last year, or this year, this spring, to decriminalize simple uh, drug possession. So I'm just wondering if there's a disconnect in philosophy here. Yeah, um, I mean, Chief McPhee can speak to this, but uh, yeah, I mean, it's, it, look, it's not about possession. Possession, for the most part, has um, been effectively decriminalized. In fact, I think uh, the numbers actually don't support that people are going to jail because of simple uh, possession charges. Now, uh, drugs may be a contributing factor as to why somebody may or may not have committed a crime, for instance. But when it comes to simple possession, um, for the most part, has been de facto decriminalized, no different than, quite frankly, what has occurred in other jurisdictions across Canada. So um, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, thanks for the question. I, I think the actual motion was actually to study it, and certainly as the Alberta Association of Chiefs of Police uh, you know, we're opposed to that because we're actually in favor of what you see today. And, and I just want to simplify this a little bit. So I think what you see today is you change, you see a change. We need society will in relation to look at something different. And then when you're dealing with somebody, um, you need to look at it from different angles. So if you go to a call and it's just a person that's addicted, you need a place to take them. You need a person to refer them. You need a person, uh, place to take them in real time. That is now going to exist. If it's a criminal offense that somebody that you mentioned is out there and they purposely hurt somebody, stab somebody, or do anything else, uh, violent like that, there's a criminal justice system for that. 
And when you actually start using the systems, what they're designed to by slowing down the intake into the justice system and combining with the health system, what you do is you start to draw everything down and you start to get better results. And you actually use the criminal justice system, what it's a, the purpose of the criminal justice system, which is to, to jail the people that we're afraid of and not the ones that we're mad at. And when you actually simplify it and break it down, what you're seeing here today is you're seeing the emergence of a system that no two people are alike. And you're looking at the individual for what their needs are and you're getting the right solution to them as quickly as you can. And the purpose that what you do is you need to bring hope back to this. And, and, and we're getting hope brought back to this because if we can get 20% out of the system, which I think you can by getting the right uh, people in the room, then you can build momentum and get people to have some faith back in the system and actually get some people on track to have them better lives. So I think, uh, you know, as far, uh, the, the, the addiction is complicated, but the process in relation to creating options and build a system isn't as complicated as we make it. And as I said, when you see the four ministers that you have here today representing those parties, and there's probably one or two others, what you see now is a, is a concentrated effort to do things differently in a collective fashion. I've been around a way too long to hear this silo argument. It's time to change it, and I'm pretty encouraged on what I'm seeing here today. So I think this is obviously the implementation is what people are looking for, and I think you heard a strong commitment here today, at least I did, that this is about implementation. There's already been dollars committed, so look forward to actually figuring out what that process is. Just to confirm, Minister, your position on this. So so you're saying essentially, in effect, it's been mostly de decriminalized at this point. So if the federal government goes ahead and gives the thumbs up to Edmonton's request, is the province going to support this? No, I don't support that. And the province doesn't support that position. No, it's uh, there's uh, it's been de facto uh, decriminalized. I mean, police are not charging people for simple, uh, simple possession, at least mm -hmm. uh, at least not that I'm aware of. I don't want to make anything an absolute or anything like that. But um, no, I don't support that position. Hi, Catherine Grakowski with Alberta Today. Um, what are the recommendations out of the Coordinated Community Response to Homelessness Task Force? Um, it was talking about how um, data is actually a, a barrier. You know, they're not talking the same language. So what, if anything, are you going to do to um, make data the same so we're all on the same page speaking the same language? Everybody looked at me. Um, you, you know, look, it's about bringing everybody together, right? So, you know, the police have uh, data. The EMS has data. Uh, obviously, all the the uh, ministries have specific data. Again, it's making sure that we're 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 all singing from the same song sheet. That we're we're taking our our, our data and making sure that. You know, if I was to take a heat map as an example, and I lay it on there, I'm saying, okay, here's where the problems are. Here's how we can effectively solve that problem. What is the best uh, tactic in order to do that? And that's, in, and that's, you know, instead of instead of the folks in the police doing their thing and the EMS doing their thing or whatever the case may be, it's all just understanding that we're we're dealing with the same uh, the same people that we're trying to help, quite frankly. And so we all got to make sure we collectively bring all this data together and that we're all rowing in the same direction. And and one of the requests for, for data has been um, on the efficacy, safety, quality of these recovery centers. And I'm wondering what, if any, work is, is being done to, to show how many people relapse after they enter, those, those type of... Um, yeah, so those are all uh, matrix that we're going to be looking to, um, to obviously follow. 
I guess one of the one of the key things that I think that we've shown over the course of the last three and a half years is that this government is focused on in, in unsure in on ensuring that the pro- the policies that we put forth are based on evidence, data, and the science. And I think that that shows one perfect example is the fact that uh, having made the VODP program uh, province-wide, that's based on evidence-based opioid agonist therapy available for all, free and on demand. Uh, obviously, tracking uh, individuals as they move through the holistic system is important. One of the things that uh, I would just add is with regards to SCS services, we've uh, improved them through some regulatory aspects to ensure that they are uh, treated as the health service that they are, the healthcare service that they are. And uh, so one of the things that we are doing with regards to that is tracking uh, individuals with regards to uh, their personal health numbers. Obviously, people won't be denied service if they don't provide it, but I think I could be wrong on this one, but I think over 50% of individuals are providing those. So I think there's some pretty interesting data points that you can glean from that. If you have somebody who's attending SCS and then and then maybe four years later, they're popping up for a physical at a doctor. That can be something that can obviously show that uh, we are having success in ensuring that people receive the, the treatment uh, that they need. Uh, and then also uh, following them through their process with regards to uh, their pathway in recovery. Thank you very much. Hi, Dan Grummet with Global News. Um, you talked about this task force creating recommendations. Uh, it seems to be this year, the Mental Health and Addictions Advisory Council, which was a task force, uh, Dale McPhee, you were, Chief McPhee, you were on it, uh, brought forward three main recommendations already. Um, you know, since recommendations have already been established in this realm for Minister Ellis, why is this task force then necessary to create more recommendations before the other recommendations on the same topics have been addressed? Sorry, I thought I was clear on this. We're taking action, right? This, is, this, this task force is going to be discussing the immediate concerns that are going on in the Edmonton area right now. So, um, you know, whether it be the Chinatown incidents, whether it be public safety on the transit, whether it be the comments that were made by uh, folks in the media that, you know, people feel unsafe even walking down the streets, as an example, right? So what are the immediate concerns that we can do right here, right now? This isn't about just making some long-term uh, um, you know, commitment to some recommendation or something like that. It's about sitting at the table, talking to Chief McPhee, uh, talking to the heads of, of EMS and Homer Trust and saying, what is it that we can do as an immediate action plan right now to try and get people the help that they need so they can feel safe walking down the streets? But haven't we already done that, Minister? Yeah. You know, haven't we established that? You say it's about action, but it's also about recommendations. So which one is it? Sure. I mean, I... I think that, you know, I think maybe Chief McPhee, and I know uh, Minister Schultz wants to step in here as well. We have to take action here, right? So so as, as you know, Minister of Public Safety, you know, Minister uh, of Mental Health and Addictions, um, you know, as well as the uh, Minister of Social Services, we all have to collectively understand that we're dealing with the same people. So I, I would I would argue that in, in my time, and I was with Susan McGee on the Alberta Sec- Secretariat for Action on Homelessness, I have never seen this level of cross-ministerial cooperation. And somebody can certainly counter that and say that they have in the past, but to understand that we're all dealing with a very similar population, the same people, that we're actually rowing in the same direction, and that we're trying to get people help. We have to try and get people 
you know, as simple as it sounds, want to get people off the streets. How are we going to do that, right? Well, it's not, a, we don't, we're don't, not interested in incarcerating people. I mean, I don't think that, I, I mean, I was back when I was on the streets of Calgary back, you know, 20 or whatever it was years ago. I mean, the only options that we had were to write somebody a ticket or take them to jail. Really, we're the only two options that we had. So how do we actually help people? Well, we understand now that actually having an addiction is a neurobiological illness. And what does that mean? That means they need medical treatment. So that's what we're trying to do. And to understand that the police are there not to put the handcuffs on the people, although they will for the people that you know may have committed crimes, but for they understand that they are that pointy end of the stick, they're going go in there and help people and direct them into the necessary services. I mean, what's 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 the alternative? Just to leave people doing open open use drug use on the streets? I don't believe that's a that's a, a an option. Sorry, I, I just just to simplify, I guess, and um, this is an implementation panel, so there may be further recommendations that come from this. But to your point, we have had several task force and reports. We have lots of recommendations to build on. And that's why we've brought this team together to make sure that we can work forward to implement those recommendations in a cohesive way across ministries, across governments, and uh, including our other partners. All right. I know Minister Schultz wanted to say something. Then we really have to wrap it up. Um, I'll keep it short. Okay. Thanks, Minister. (laughs) Uh, And just to add, it it really is, as Minister Nixon said, it, it is about taking action. And there may be additional recommendations, but really it's also recognizing that each community across the province uh, is facing different challenges. I mean, we even heard that in the questions here today that, you know, what we're seeing and, and how we are seeing this present these challenges when it comes to addictions, mental health, homelessness, uh, looks different in communities from Lethbridge to Edmonton to Calgary, for example. And so, you know, for example, a couple of weeks ago, I think it was the front page of the Edmonton Journal was talking about homelessness. And we realized, you know, we had a relationship with the city. We needed to address the issue around homelessness. Okay, well, we have have shelter space availability. Why is it um, that we can't close that gap when Minister Nixon is reporting that we still have 15% availability? That was two weeks ago. Um, then we realized we need to bring in public safety and address that from the justice side, what was happening on the ground. And so that's really the genesis of how you see this group come together. Uh, I don't want to let the cat out of the bag, but there will be other communities that we're going to do this work in because it is I think, necessary for us to, yes, address uh, the previous task force recommendations on a provincial scale uh, as a way of really outlining the direction that we're headed, but then recognize that each community is different and unique, uh, has different nonprofit partners on the ground, has different challenges, and are seeing these challenges presenting themselves in different ways. Uh, And we want to be nimble and willing partners at the table to address those challenges across ministries and different levels of government and community. Perfect. So I'm going to ask the ministers and the task force members to go on into the Windsor room to get set up. We'll come out in a minute, minute and a half to let uh, media know when they can start shooting B-roll. And uh, thank you, everyone.